Looking for a new show to add to your playlist? Why don't you add Mix Bad Luck, a new show releasing July 13th about the journey to find good luck amongst the bad. Check out this exclusive clip of Mix Bad Luck. What could go wrong in a month? 31 days, 744 hours. Less than that if you have a decent sleep schedule, but I've yet to meet anyone who does, so I'm gonna assume you all to be insomniacs or solar-powered robots until proven otherwise. Does anyone actually leave their house before 8pm anymore? I'm not leaving beforehand to check, so that can remain a mystery for now. I'd argue 8pm is a world-known time to collect energy drinks and any source of caffeine before settling down and pretending to do those papers due last month. But that's beside the point. Talking to the cat doesn't count as therapy, you know. No, but he's a good listener. I don't blame you. It's been a long month. You ready to put an end to it, Micah? As ready as I'll ever be. Then lead the way, Mixed Bad Luck. We've got a curse to stop. What's the worst that could happen? Famous last words, Salem. Famous last words. Hurry up, guys, or I'm leaving without you. Time's up. Let's go before Bailey starts messing with things he shouldn't. What could go wrong in a month? Spoiler alert, the answer's a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Stream Mixed Bad Luck wherever you listen to podcasts and join us on our journey to find the good luck amongst the bad. This podcast contains adult content suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Out of the darkness and into the fire. Welcome, my dear travelers, to the morbid forest. (sighs) I truly never get tired of this view. It is spectacular. Don't you agree, dear traveler? I'm sure that's what drew you to this spot, but I know from personal experience the bath here was not an easy one. No, it was not indeed. No, the bath here was a leap of faith. I hugged the blanket around my shoulder tighter, allowing the scratchy paper-thin material to distract me from the colourless room I occupied. The room was tiny, holding only three chairs, 
one of which I claimed, a steel table and a scuffed two-way mirror. It never was a good thing when the cop showed you to the interrogation room first, allowing you to stew on the onslaught of questions that are soon to follow. At least, that's what I've seen on American TV shows. I took a deep breath, the smoke trapped within the threads of my makeshift shawl, burning my nostrils, and I coughed dryly. As I cleared the desert from my throat, two detectives walked into the room and shut the door. Silent and stone-faced, they slid into the chairs across from me, each party assessing the other. The older of the two, a man with salt and pepper hair from scalp to chin, pulled a small tape recorder from his breast pocket, placing it in the centre of the table. He hit record, and his partner, whose crisp buzz cut and lack of frown lines told me he was greener than fresh-cut grass, flipped open a notebook, ready to catch every word from my lips. So, Miss West, correct? Salt and Pepper began. I nodded. Miss West, I first want to clarify that you were the only survivor of tonight's event, naming you as not only our prime witness, but equally our prime suspect. The rookie chimed in, leaning in close as if we were about to share secrets and sing campfire songs. Please tell us in your own words the events of the evening. I pushed back from the table, my hackles rising beneath my blanket cocoon. You won't believe me. Hell, I barely fucking do, and I was there. My voice was strong, but my stomach quaked with each syllable. I'm sure that isn't the case, Miss West. We are here to help you, and we can't do that if we don't know all the facts. Tell us what you recall, and we'll go from there. Salt and Pepper's voice was gentle but firm. I wanted to scream. Instead, I inhaled slowly. Here goes nothing. Let me start off by saying... I'm aware I am not the definition of a model citizen. I'm sure you ran my name in your little database and came back with a past so colourful you'd assume I just mashed all the colours in a crayon box and called it art. Typical shitty life, hard times, I made choices that to survive I'm not proud of, but it has kept me alive. Salt and pepper cut my next breath off. Miss West, we are familiar with your checkered past. As you stated, we read your files, so a review of your life is unnecessary. What we are interested in is the details of tonight's events leading up to the fire. I sighed and leaned back in my chair. Gritty it is, then. You want details? You're going to have to listen to some pretty fucked up shit, including my backstory, if you want all the facts, officer. Detective, actually. Piped in Junior, clearly not appreciating my tone of voice. With a lazy cat grin, my eyes slid to his. Detective? I didn't hide the mirth in my voice. Please, Miss West, continue, and John is just fine. Salt and Pepper, or John, cast an irritated glance to his partner. Junior stood and began to pace, clearly not liking not being in charge or having to play the bad cop. I didn't care either way. I was done playing everyone else's game. I cleared my throat, catching both men's attention. As I was saying, I've had a checkered life, John, and this whole shitstorm started when a man handed me a pamphlet after I was done servicing one of my customers. Servicing? Junior asked. I smirked and looked him dead in the face. You know, I curled my fist and pumped it next to my cheek my tongue pushing in and out against my cheek, mimicking my act of service. 
Junior Blanche. And I nearly fell out of my chair laughing. He was green. What did the pamphlet say? John asked, returning my attention back to this charade. Clearly as seasoned as his hairline. He won a few points in my book for that alone. It was a pamphlet for a local church. I had no intention of taking it until he said there was a guaranteed a hot meal and a free room with a warm bed available for people less fortunate than others. I didn't want to go, but I didn't have any other options that night, so I figured, why not? The church wasn't what I expected. While the outside was white with the characteristic cross, announcement board and steeple, the inside was bare as bone. A few oak pews, a muted pulpit framed by purple curtains, and an aged organ were the only things filling the space. A pack of eager church children and a few people my age greeted me when I stepped inside. I told them I was there for the food, and they hustled me further into their chapel. Help yourself, sister, a younger boy said with a bright smile and bright blue eyes. So I did. I filled my plate with more food than I'd eaten in an entire week. I gorged myself. All the while the group sat around me, laughing and talking about God as the entity was their best friend. I wasn't religious by any means, so when they asked me to pray with them after my meal, I was beyond uncomfortable. But... If the least I did for food and a warm bed that night was pray with some enthusiastic zealots, then why not? What I didn't know was praying with them entailed listening to an entire sermon by their priest, Father Carmen. I tried to refuse, but the boy with blue eyes took my hand, slowly ushering me to a pew. And what's your name? Nicole. Nicole, I can tell by the look in your eyes this is a bit much. He gestured to our crowd and the church around us. But just give us a chance. Stay, listen to Father Carmon's words, claim a bed for the night, claim safety for just one night. His cerulean eyes pierced through me and without thinking I nodded in agreement. Lid me down the row and we sat, fingers still entwined as Father Carmen walked onto the pulpit. He was a larger man in his mid-forties to early fifties, with a bald head and laugh lines around stout lips. He gazed out from the stage, seeming to nod at each individual in his flock before beginning his sermon. The sermon itself was riddled with praise of his people and the Father above, about the work still left to do, all while his followers watched him with doe-eyed expressions. Some even moved to tears. By faith, by faith, Noah, being warned by God of things not seen as yet, prepared an ark. The crowd called to the Father, hands raised in the air as if he chained to touch God. For the saving of his house, by which he condemned all others. For there was a multitude upon multitude of people, and God let the waters wash away them all. All except Noah and his flock allowed the sinners to be swept in the tidal wave of hell. The crowd chanted, praise the Lord, praise his name. This house, this house is not garnered by soft words and pretenses. Shall I tell you what this house, this house of God's words are? Tell us, Father, tell us the truth. That our God, the God who saved Noah and his flock, is not a God who loves all sinners. A God who turned the blind eye to the sins of our filthy riddled world 
Does this sound like your God? The crowd yelled out no, so loud the floor trembled beneath my feet. Does this sound like our God? The crowd cried no once more and my stomach churned. The food I just ate into lead. I was never a religious person before moving to this country and my life now did not support any righteous pathways. Were all churches here like this? Were there no songs of joy and rapture here? Our God demands our respect and for us to respect the vessels he created upon us. I looked to my sides, attempting to map my escape, but I was boxed in. I did not sign up for this. For true and righteous are his judgment. For he hath judged the great whore, which did not corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. The priest turned his gaze on me, his words coiling around my throat slowly, squeezing the air from my lungs. A frigid smile unfurled across his face as he held me in his trance. This woman is the fornicator that our Lord speaks of. She has stained the body and soul which was entrusted to her by our God. Feeding the evil of this earth. But can we save her? Yes. The holy man moved to stand in front of me slowly. He knelt before me, a sickly smile adorning his face. The path to cleanse your sins is not going to be easy, my child. Are you ready to take the leap? What did he mean? Maybe a baptism? I'll let the crazy man hose me down in holy water if it would get me out of this madhouse. I nodded as the crowd shouted encouragement around me. I was ready to bolt at the earliest opportunity. Father Carmen nodded in response, but not to me. Strong hands gripped my biceps roughly, lifting me from the pew. What the fuck? Put me down, you twats. I thrashed in their holes, but it was no use. Poor living and poor eating left me no match for a field mouse, let alone two massive thugs. Father Carmen marched to the purple curtains at the end of the pulpit, his fat fingers wrapped around the fabric and pulled, revealing the steel trap door. He heaved open the heavy metal door and the two religious thugs deposited me inside. The lid slammed shut before I could get my feet under me. Father Carmen continued the sermon to the beat of my pounding fists and frantic wails for release. We shall all stand before the Lord, for man is destined to die and lay himself before the Lord to accept his judgment. As when John gazed upon our Lord and his throne, he will welcome the faithful to his side, where we shall stand and bear witness to his plans. My fists began to ache, but I didn't care. They could be pouring rivers of blood, and I still would try to free myself. As we are his earthbound vessels, we are here to aid the cleansing of this world. Let me out, please. I won't tell anyone, just please, I sobbed. But the sermon carried on, my cries at him to his palm. Eventually, darkness claimed me, and I fell into a dreamless sleep. I awoke to the scraping of the heavy metal door. Jewel, blue beacons peered in from the crack of the opening. It was the boy from earlier, the one who sat and held my hand in the pew. I scrambled for the light, but I was too weak from exhaustion. The boy slammed my only escape in my face. I screamed. My fist pounded weakly against the frame. The boy bent and scooped me into his arms as if I was his newborn and carried me to the corner. A bed sat there, 
I hadn't noticed in my fight. He laid me down and then sat on the edge furthest from me, as if the space would calm my nerves. It's worse if you fight. Trust me. His words came out matter-of-fact, as if my fate was sealed as tight as my prison steel door. We're all sinners here, at one time or another. Father Carmon saved us. He could save you, too. What was your sin? I asked, as I wiped tears from my face. I used to be a drug addict, and a dealer. So what? The good father sent you to rehab? The boy laughed softly, shaking his head. No, sister. Father Carmon helped me uncover the roots of my pain. He helped me dig the roots of the weeds from my garden so I could cleanse my soul. Gaze shifted quizzically to the boys as he continued reading the question from my eyes. My parents didn't love me. They were meant to be my shepherd into this trying world, but they failed. Father Carmon helped me bring them to judgment, and the Lord granted me the strength to do what was needed to be done. My heart sank, but my lips asked what I already knew. What did you do to your parents? The boy smiled fondly, as if the image of that day were the happiest of his life. I killed him, sister. Shot him dead. My heart hammered in my chest, propelling me to my feet. You're fucking sick. Now, sister. I'm not your fucking sister. All of you are fucking bananas. You can't keep me here. You fucking... The slap to my cheek sent me reeling to the mattress. Pain welled tears to my eyes once more as a boy loomed over me. That type of language will no longer be tolerated, sister. The sooner you are ready to cleanse your sins, the more fulfilling your life will become. If you want to remain a whore, a bitch of temptation, we will be forced to treat you like one. With those final words, the boy spun on his heels and left me to wallow in my prison cell. Later, I'm unsure if it was morning or night, a tiny blonde girl slid a metal tray through a slot in the door. Enjoy your meal, sister. I stared at the food, afraid it was drugged. However, my stomach gurgled at the mere sight, raising me like the dead and shuffling me over to the tray. I picked at the offerings, nearly choking with laughter at the stark contrast this meal was to my last. I laughed until my laughter turned into sobs. I was never going to get out, was I? I stared into the darkness hours later until my attention was pulled to my prison door opening again. Father Carmen stepped inside, a broad smile on his fat face. I knew powerful men like him. They were all the same, wanting control and dominance over anything they wished to claim. But I refused to submit. The bed dipped as the fat father claimed his spot, gaze trained hungrily on me. I understand if you feel betrayed tricked even into this predicament but rest assured my dear child you will thank me once all is said and done thank him was the man crazier than i thought we aim to help all those who are lost it is the way of our lord and while the methods are extreme i assure you it will be all made right when your soul is pure to walk this earth once more he paused letting his words settle beneath my skin. Will you, will you pray with me, my child? Why? I don't see the use in praying. I never have before. Why would it matter to start now? I never alluded that I was very smart. However, my mouth, on the other hand, 
Father Carmen's smile widened, as if praying for that exact answer. Like a viper, his hand snaked out, the back of his hand biting into my cheek, marking me for the second time in this hellhole. I fell to the dirty mattress, but with little reprieve. The father climbed my lilith form, his hands forming the sign of the cross across my body before his onslaught began anew. I kicked and screamed, bucked and writhed, but nothing threw the man from me. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Recited the words as his hand met my cheek, over and over until my cries faded to soft whimpers and only the pants of the father were heard against the walls. He slid from my body, a smile plastered on his face. I had seen all too often on the men I've left satisfied. We shall try again tomorrow morning. Repent, sweet child, for my Lord's way is the only way to be free. The scent of bacon wafted from my food slot. The little girl was back, peering through the feed hole, as if this was the manner she greeted all morning guests. Father Carmen said you could live in the big house with us if you come out and pray with us this morning. I stared blankly at the girl, weighing my options. After my first induction, the father did indeed come again the next morning and asked me to pray. And once again, I refused. We went on like this for three nights. Three nights of refusals. Three nights of feeling my cheeks turn purple. Three nights of loathing and praying. But not to whatever God Father Carmen wanted me to. But to whoever was out there, listening, that would save me from this place. I prayed for the Father and his sheep to be brought to their judgment. I prayed to the wind that I would give my soul to see the light of the world. I bartered my soul to see the light leave Father Carmen's demented eyes. And while I still am not a woman of faith, I can say now that I am a woman of prayer. Because something out there answered mine. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You expect us to believe some entity answered your prayers and saved you? That some angel came and swooped in and performed some miracle for you? The younger detective interjected. I huffed, leaning back in my chair. I told you at the beginning, you weren't going to believe me. We realize that, Miss West, but you have to understand that this all sounds a little fantastical. The older cop stated. You were the only survivor in that place tonight. Your prints are all over the church and on the knife that killed Father Carmen. Now, if someone helped or forced you... I told you both, I didn't burn that church down. I didn't bloody kill Father Carmen. Then who did? I closed my eyes, blocking out the glare and accusatory stares from the detectives. Against my lids, I saw the events of the night unfold. I heard the screams that filtered from the cracks of my cell door. Heard the spraying of blood and melting of flesh watched in tranced awe as my cell door melted like candle wax to the floor. I saw the bodies stacked high within their pile, smelled their flesh as they burned. I saw the knife in the creature's hand as it took the cursed life of the father. 
When I opened my eyes, I blinked away tears, sending a silent prayer to my dark angel above. Like I said, you wouldn't believe me, even if I told you. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard Leap of Faith, written by Sean Moreau, with narration by Chloe Allen, Sean Moreau, Matthew Trevino, and Naomi Richards. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter to stay up to date on the latest and greatest with the Morbid Forest. Like what you hear? Don't forget to hit that like and that subscribe button. And if you're feeling a little extra nice, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It'll help us get to more listeners out there just like you. Want to drop us a little love letter? Send it over to themorbidforest at gmail.com. Our season finale is just around the corner. It's a longer tale and I hope you guys are ready for it. And for some housekeeping notes, after the season finale, we will be taking a much needed break. And then we'll be back plugging away at season three. Yes, you heard it here first. We are going to keep continuing and giving you this crazy ride of ours. (laughs) Also, we have another project coming your way that we hope you guys will get excited for because it's something new and it's something fun and we can't wait to share it with you guys. As always, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week, travelers, on The Morbid Forest.